Well, this morning we begin a, a new sermon series called uh, the, the Next Step in Spiritual Formation. And it's possible, perhaps even likely, that you have never heard that, uh, that phrase until we announce this uh, series. That's because uh, it's, that's, uh, it's typically that terminology has been uh, reserved for use in academic circles such as uh, semin- uh, seminaries and, and monasteries. But recently, uh, the concepts and practices associated with uh, spiritual formation have, have become popular in the church. And so the, the terminology is, has become more familiar with, with more people. Now, just just a note uh, here on the um, uh, slide here, you'll see that uh, formation is singular. There's no S. We're not talking about multiple formations. We're talking about one formation. We're talking about the formation of Christ in our lives. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, Revelation, the book of Revelation. It's not revelations. It's it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And also, I just would tell you that it's awana, not awanas. It's it's a workman ashamed, approved, not ashamed. And then there's upward. It's not upwards. It's upward basketball and cheerleader. And I'll throw this one in for free. It's Kroger, not Kroger's, okay? So just one of my little pet peeves there. Now, as we think about spiritual formation this morning, we're going we're gonna to approach it from the standpoint of asking some questions about spiritual formation. Four questions, really, that we're going to look at. The first question is, so, so what is the definition of spiritual formation? And um, uh, simply stated, it's the process of spiritual growth whereby we become more like Christ. That's about as simple as I could say it. It, it deals with the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers and the various methods, methods that he uses to bring about spiritual growth in our lives. Now you'll notice that there's two aspects there. There's the work of the Holy Spirit and there are uh, disciplines or processes that, that God uses in our lives to bring about spiritual growth. And, and perhaps uh, uh, one of the things that we can do to answer this question is to tell you what spiritual formation is and what it is not. First of all, let me tell you what it is. It is, it is, uh, a, the simple term, a biblical term, sanctification. And sanctification is the, is the word that you will find in your Bible that describes the process of spiritual growth. That's really what it is. Uh, it's a process that we are involved in that God uses to help us become more like Christ. The word sanctify literally means to be set apart. And we are set apart from sin and we are, and we are set apart to God. Implied in this is that we are being, uh, made righteous and then at the same time we are drawing closer to the Lord. 
uh, uh, sanctification or sanctify in its noun form is almost always translated holiness. So we're talking about holiness. You know, we're talking about a decrease in sinfulness and an increase in holiness. And, and, um, spiritual formation is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Uh, and, uh, Richard of, uh, Chichester, he's a 13th century English bishop. He said this in kind of a devotional way. He says, day by day, three things I pray. To see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, and to follow thee more nearly. Now, what he's saying is, is God, I want to be able to understand you in a greater way. And, and as I understand who you are, I want to love you more. And as I love you, that's going to translate into obedience, moving away from Sin and a, and, and a moving toward holiness, spiritual growth. Now notice these two words, sanctification and spiritual growth. These are the, the most common biblical terms that would correspond to the idea of spiritual formation. And these are terms that we're going to be using throughout this series we're using them basically as synonyms, uh, as um, uh, interchangeable words, and you'll hear them over and over. Uh, spiritual formation is also a process. And you can see this very clearly in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Now, there's two things that I want you to see in this passage. First of all, I want you to take note of all the, the words and phrases that indicate a process. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that Christ gave gifted people to the church. Some of those are pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. Now notice already those processes. Equipping is a process. Uh, building up is a process. Then it talks about in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we all attain. See, it implies that something is not completed. So there is an attainment. This is a process that occurs. And then he, he says in verse 13, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Again, growing up is a process. This is what he's, he's describing here. And then secondly, notice the goal. The goal to which the process should lead us. If you look out there, he says to become a, a mature man. He also says... The, the fullness of the, of Christ. And he says, we grow up in all aspects unto him, that is to Christ. See, what's the goal? It's to become like Christ in every way, all aspects. And so that's the, that's the goal that we have. Now, we want to become like Christ. 
in his character and in his actions. And we want to see that lived out in our lives. So what is the measure of spiritual maturity? It's how much you become like Christ. That's how you know if you're growing spiritually. How much are you like Christ? How much have you changed and become more like Christ? That's how you evaluate. And so this 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 growing up, you see, it is the spiritual formation. It is the formation of the nature and character of Christ in a person's life. Uh, spiritual formation is also, it's a matching of our practice with our position. And uh, when we trust Christ, God imputes his, or imputes the perfect righteousness of Christ to us. He says to us, I count you as perfect, already perfect. Now that's an amazing thought, isn't it? That God would count us as, as already perfect. And he says, we are complete in him. The Bible says that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness. The Bible says he has made us new creatures. Positionally, we're perfect. But practically, we fall short of that. Far short of that. And, and spiritual formation is, is the ongoing process by which what is true of us positionally becomes increasingly true of us in practice. In other words, we at least begin to be more like Jesus. That's really what God is, is looking for. There, there are other ways of, that this is described in the scriptures. Uh, you can, you can see it this way. Philippians uh, 2.13. Work out your own salvation. Philippians uh, 3.12. Press uh, pressing toward the goal, it's, it's described there. Colossians 2.7, being built up in the faith. 2 Corinthians 7.1, perfecting holiness. 2 Corinthians 3.18, being transformed into the same image of the Lord from glory to glory. Do you realize that we have a glory of God in us, but that glory is changing, it's growing, it's becoming, we're moving from one level of glory to another level of glory and becoming like Christ. Romans 8.28, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. See, that's what God wants to happen in your life. God wants you to be conformed to the image of his son. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants you to be sanctified. God wants you to grow spiritually. God wants Christ, to his character, to be formed in you. You say, well, how do I do that? That sounds difficult. I'm not sure that I can do that. Let me be honest with you. It it. It, it's not easy. It takes a lot of, of, of hard work, self-discipline, and faithfulness. Let me say it again. It takes a lot of hard work, self-discipline, and faithfulness. But even with that, even if you are all of that, you can't do it on your own. It, it's the work of God in your life. He accomplishes that as well. And 
it's not manufactured overnight. It's not something that we even accomplish ever in this life. Paul talks about that in, in Philippians chapter 3 in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Did you know that Jesus Christ laid hold of you for the purpose of making you holy, of making you like Christ? He goes on, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching toward that what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Now many people progress so far in their spiritual life and they become content. They say, well, look, look, look at me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good Christian. I mean, I, I've, I've learned all kinds of things. I've been to Sunday school. I know the, you know, I know all those, you know, stories and, and I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And they just kind of, they kind of get content. Don't need to do any more. But do you know what we don't realize is that the moment you stop growing, you're actually going in reverse. You're actually declining. Going in the opposite direction. A lot of people begin to grow in their spiritual walk, but then they kind of get stuck. Something happens. Something that is a challenge to their faith. Something that is an issue that comes to to light. Something that they can't seem to overcome or, 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 or deal with. And, and they just kind of get, they get stuck. They get discouraged. They lose their effectiveness. They lose their joy. And it seems like, you know, well, I'm in this, I'm in this, uh, you know, Christian life, but it just, it's so boring. It's just so, you know, I don't even know why I'm doing it sometimes. That happens to people. And you see, what God would say to, to you is this, is press on. Don't stop. Maybe you need to forget about all the times that you failed. Maybe you've made a resolution. Well, you know, I'm really going to start going to church. I'm going to really be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to be in my small group and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. And you did that for a few days and then just like, ah, you messed up. And well, then a couple of years later, you tried it again. You got this pattern. You know, I just can't do this. And something inside says, already tell you, you, you can't do it. Listen, you're not going to arrive one time. Press on. Forget what lies behind. Look at what lies ahead. Look at what God offers you. You can become like Jesus Christ in your character. You can know the joy of that. You can accomplish that. So press on, Paul would say. Let me tell you what spiritual formation is not. It's not a a journey. I use the word journey here because that has become a popular word in our culture. And it's come to mean to a lot of people an exploration without a destination. It's kind of like Star Trek. 
You know, our mission is to explore strange new worlds, you know. And you, you go out into space and you fly out through there and you just find out whatever's out there. You know, what's out here? Who's, who are we going to meet? What's, what's going to be, uh, uh, what's going to be the monster that we encounter this week, you know? And it's exploration. A lot of people look at spirituality that way. See, religion is out. Now it's, I'm spiritual. And spiritual means I'm on a journey. I'm, I'm out in space looking for whatever over, happens to overtake me. Whatever I encounter. Uh, some, whatever God might be. Whatever spirit there might be. This journey. See, the Bible says we're not on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. Remember the pilgrim's progress? You're on a journey. And you're on a journey to become like Jesus Christ. And as you are on this journey, you are headed toward the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. Where you're going to live forever with the one true God. You're on a journey. Not a journey, you're on a pilgrimage. And listen, it's it's not a subjective experience. You see, many of the leading voices in spiritual formation movement today, they stress the need for more intuitive, uh, subjective spirituality. In other words, what that kind of means is this. You're looking for a feeling. You're looking to feel like somehow you're closer to God or that God has some kind of personal message for you. See, if you approach spiritual formation like, oh, well, I'm just going to kind of feel closer to God and, and God's got some something unique that He wants to tell me, and so you're going to you're you you are open yourselves to all kinds of falsehood and deception. God has given us a very clear pathway how to approach spiritual formation. And, and really, what you will find, if you look very closely at the, the popular spiritual formation movement today, that, that, that many of the, the practices and the ideas are lifted from Catholicism, even uh, mysticism, and from uh, um, uh, other religions. And they're kind of rebranded and given Christian terminology. But they have the, a different meaning than what we think of sometimes. So be careful there. That's one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons that we we're using the word spiritual formation is because there is a misunderstanding about what that is. I want you to understand what true spiritual formation is. So we have to have a, an awareness here that some of these things, some of these concepts could be a, a, a little bit off. You know, um, spiritual uh, formation is not activity, not spiritual activity. It's not busyness. Let me warn you. Anything that takes, you know, time and effort and, and patience, people are always looking for shortcuts. You know, whatever it might be, exercise 
or, or diet or, you know, finances. But people are always looking for a shortcut. They don't want to have to do the hard work, the, make the difficult choices. And, and, and spiritually, people do that too. They're looking for a shortcut spiritually. There is no spiritual shortcut to becoming like Christ. You have to, it takes effort. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes all these things. And, and, and people make the, the, sometimes people make the mistake of assuming that the most mature Christians are the busiest. But let me tell you that busyness does not bring, necessarily bring spiritual maturity, nor does it even indicate spiritual maturity. A lot of times people will, will take up some activity because it has some association with godliness. And so if I'm doing this, well then I must be being religious or I must be being spiritual or I must be being godly. But that's not necessarily the case. In fact, busyness is what often hinders what is vital and important in our spiritual lives. See, I would say that um, along with the influence of the culture, that busyness is perhaps the greatest killer of spiritual growth in the church today. We're too busy to be spiritual. We're, we're too busy to grow in our relationship with God. Busyness will keep many of you from participating in this the next step of spiritual formation. You're just too busy. You can't do it. You don't have the time. And if you can't do that, then you oh, certainly that's going to be extended on into your, your private life. And, and see, I'm not just talking about participating in a small group. I'm, I'm talking about doing what it takes at the heart level to really grow. And to become like Christ in your character. Listening to this sermon series or participating in a small group means really nothing unless you are willing to become a doer of the word. To take the practices that the Bible gives us and to implement them in our lives, we need to do that. Now listen. While we have this tendency to be overly busy, spiritual growth takes time. It takes time to read your Bible. It takes time to pray. It takes time to serve. It takes time to minister to someone in need. All these things, they take time. Don't associate busyness with with spiritual growth, but spiritual growth does take time. And if you are going to grow, you have to prioritize. You have to make it a priority in your life. You have to give it the time. It's impossible. Uh, with, unless you are willing to take on the disciplines that God describes for us to grow. Now, that brings us to our second question. What is the purpose a spiritual formation. Well, the simple answer to that question is its purpose is to bring glory to God. 
God's glory is the purpose of creation. God's glory is the purpose of the Christian life. God's glory is the purpose for everything that God ever has done or ever will do. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Let me tell you that when you glorify God, you enjoy God. That's where the joy really is, is in glorifying God. It's like uh, Chichester. Uh, he says, um, I want to know you better. I want to love you deeper. I want to obey you in a greater way. That glorifies God. And that is what brings the glory. That's what brings the joy into your, into your life. God's glory has, has been manifested in many ways throughout the ages. God manifested his glory in creation when he made everything that is. What an incredible glory. God manifested glory in the Garden of Eden. He manifested his glory in the time of Moses. All of those incredible miracles that were, were done. And there was even the glory of God shining on the face of Moses himself. There's the, the glory of God at the tabernacle with a pillar of fire. And, and then there's a, the Shekinah glory of God in the temple itself. But the greatest glory of all was when God sent his son into the world. Jesus Christ came into the world. And, and John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And of course, his glory is going to be seen in the greatest way yet in the future when he comes again in the clouds with power and great glory. But what about right now? Where's the glory of God now? How do we see the glory of God today? Well, in this age, God's glory is manifest through his people. The church. You see, it's our privilege and our purpose to manifest the glory of God. Paul tells us that we are like holy temples that house the glory of God. God himself indwells believers. Now think about this. You have the glory of God in you. And the degree to which Christ is formed in you is the degree to which the glory of God is expressed to the world all around you. You are the only way that that people see the glory of God today. It's you. And that's one of the reasons that Christ's presence, Christ's formation in your life is so essential. This world... Is dependent upon the people of God to display the glory of God. You know, we're asking the question, why should I practice spiritual formation? Why should I want to grow spiritually? Well, the, the, the purpose of the church is to glorify God. And I want to put this up, our purpose. Now, it's been a while since I've gone over this, and 
I'm going to try to do better. I need to keep reminding us of this. The purpose of our church is to glorify God through, by, by filling, fulfilling the great commission through the passion of the great commandment. Now the great commission is summed up in our little saying, making disciples that make disciples. The great commandment is summed up by the little saying, loving God, loving people. You see, as we love God with all of our hearts, that translates into us loving others. As we love others, then the desire of our heart is to let them see the glory of God displayed in the gospel and in Jesus Christ and to allow them to come to have an eternal relationship with God by making disciples that make disciples. See, that's, that's how it works. And as we, as we do that, as we love God, as we love people, as we make disciples that make disciples, we glorify God. That's our, that's our purpose as a church. That's why we exist. That's why we, we're together. That's why we're meeting. That's what it's all about. Is glorifying God in this way. And we need desperately the, the power of Christ formed in us to express that Fully and perfectly. And, and listen, see, uh, related to that, all this is tied together. This life is not all there is. Life on this earth is just a dress rehearsal for the main event. And, and we will spend far more time on the other side of death in eternity than we do here. This life is minuscule. Compared to forever in eternity. We can't even, we can't even compare it. Yet, what do we do? We make everything in life about right now. About what I'm doing, what I need to accomplish. It, it, it becomes a here and now kind of life rather than seeing life as being eternal. We want eternal life. It sounds more like oftentimes we want temporary life. See, and, and God says our bodies are, are, are like tents. They're temporary dwellings. When he talks about our, our bodies in heaven, he talks about home, a permanent dwelling. God has put eternity in our hearts, Solomon tells us. It, 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 it's an inbred desire for immortality. And, and it brings to our mind the reality that this life is not all there is. This life is also a test. Did you know that God is always evaluating everything that we do? He's evaluating our actions. He's evaluating our faith. He's evaluating our character. He's evaluating our lives. And he, and he holds us accountable for what he gives us. Remember what Jesus told uh, the stewards in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21? He says, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you know what he's saying? 
He's saying that what we do right now has a powerful impact on that eternity that we're going to live. What you do now, friend, has a powerful impact on eternity. Don't you think that if you share the gospel with someone and someone is saved, that has an impact on their lives for eternity? And friend, how you live, the choices you make, the character you develop, it has an impact on the future. You know what he told the, the unfaithful steward? Take what he has and give it to the one that's faithful. Throw him into outer darkness. You get nothing. Do you know what happens when you live your entire life for right here and right now? That's all you get. You lose everything. Everything that you have invested in, everything that you have worked for, it's gone. And we, if we seek to satisfy ourselves in this life, we do not know the glory of God and we do not form the nature of Christ in our lives and we do not know the joy of it all. That brings us to our third question. What is our role in spiritual formation? What's our role in spiritual formation? You could ask this question like this. How do you overcome sin and live the Christian life? Is, is, is defeating sin something that God does? Or is it something that we do? Uh, in other words, is the Christian life an exercise in passive faith or active obedience? Is it all God's doing or is it all our doing or is it a combination? Are you all with me? This is an important question. Now, I'm telling you it's an important question because you know, do you realize that how you answer this question could determine what denomination you want to be? Because the whole denominations have come out of this question. And let me tell you the answer. I believe the answer is a paradox. So what's a paradox? Well, a paradox is something, it, it, it's a truth, but it seems like it would be contradictory. For example, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. How can he be fully God and fully man at the same time? He is. I can't understand that. I can't totally explain that. It just is. This Bible, it was written by men. Yet it was written by the Holy Spirit. Every word is inspired by God. But it was written by men. How is that possible? It's a paradox. Both are true. It's a reality. When it comes to living the Christian life, is it all God's work or is it man's work? It's both. God does his work, but we must cooperate with God. We must, we must have effort. We must have energy involved in that. Um, one, one view, excuse me, of this emphasizes God's role to the exclusion of the, the believer's effort. That's called quietism. You hear it expressed in things like, let go and let God. Uh, in other words, it's saying that God does it all. There's an opposite view, a pietism. Well, it says, well, that we do it all. That God says, you got to go do it. He commands it, and you got to go do it. 
And so we're, we're the ones doing all of this work. Uh, they're usually very aggressive, very, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, into Bible study and holy living and self-discipline and practical, uh, you know, Christianity and legalism. I mean, it all sounds good, but in reality, what they're saying is we do it all. Quietism, God does it all. Pietism, we do it all. Paul gives us the answer. He gives us, shows us the paradox in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Let's look at this, this, this verse because it's a, it's a, it's a resolution. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now notice this. Work out your salvation. Well, that sounds like something I would do. But he says, it's God who is at work in you. That sounds like it's something God would do. Which one is it? It's both. But notice that it, God is the one who gives you the will to do it. God is the one who gives you the work, is the energy. He's the one who gives you the ability to do it. God is giving you the desire and the ability to do His will. But you have to do it. You have to make the choice and you have to follow through with it. And this is really what Paul is telling us. Yes, we have a responsibility. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes all these things. But God is the one who does the work. Isn't it an amazing thing how God works it out? So here's what, here's what God would say to us. Listen, I am at work. My desire for you is for you to be like my son, Jesus Christ. I am at work in your life. I will give you desire. I will give you the ability. Now you need to take what I am giving you and you need to respond in obedience and faith and you need to exercise that responsibility that I've given you. And those two things will come together and I will begin to work out the reality of Christ in your life. That brings our, to us to our final question. What is the next step in your spiritual formation? What's next for you? And listen, we have to, we, we, we can't take all the steps, we can't do it. Remember, it's a process. It's something that that takes time. It goes day by day. What's the next step for you? Well, if you've never trusted Christ, that's the next step. If you've never made the decision to give him your life, to allow him to come in, to give you his righteousness, his perfection, to, to count you right before him, then, see, you have nothing to grow. You've got to have a life, a spiritual life, to grow. And that's where it begins. The next step for you is to have a spiritual life. By faith, trust Christ. You can do that today. You can simply call upon him. You can simply say, God, I believe that I'm a sinner, that 
I know I'm a sinner and I believe that you died in my place and I want to have your eternal life. It doesn't sound very complicated. It's not, but it's not easy, is it? Because it's a yielding of your life to God. If you're a believer already, then I would say, I would encourage you to say your next step is to get signed up. Participate in a, in a process. To participate in, in learning to use the disciplines that God has given us to help us to grow spiritually. That's all we're doing. We're simply taking the truth. We find the scripture. We're trying to apply it. We're trying to make use of what God it is, what it is God is calling us to do. We're going to let Christ be formed in our, in our lives and we're going to let the glory of God come out in our lives and benefit others and benefit us as well. If you're already signed up, good for you. I want to encourage you. Your next step is be faithful. Be faithful. Friend, a sporadic approach to anything is ineffective. If you're going to do anything well, you have to do it faithfully. Ask any ball club in Taze Valley. You have to be at practice if you are going to play. Right? We we all know that. But what about God? What about spiritual discipline? What about spiritual practice? If you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna grow spiritually. You have to be faithful. That'd be the next step. And, and look and see what God has for us in the, in the days ahead. Be faithful. Our Father.